England is said to be the home of cricket, but the two other pillars of cricket in the world are India and Australia. Welcome back to Views from Third Man, everyone. For those of you who are first-time listeners, this is a cricket podcast where we look at the events in world cricket from a fan's point of view. India-Australia's limited overs series has just finished. In the sense, India's tour of Australia is over for many players. So here's a look back at what was really a fantastic tour, not just for India, but for Australia as well. But we are going to look at this from an Indian point of view. And the first thing to point out is that in the, in the ODI series, Australia won the first two games, India won the last game. In the T20 series, India won the first two games, Australia won the last game. So if you look at it from an objective point of view, it's almost three all. But from an Indian point of view, it could very much have been 4-2 or even 5-1 if India had fielded better. And I think the Indian fielding was one of the biggest letdowns of this entire tour because this Indian team has the potential to win the T20 World Cup next year. But realistically speaking, with this level of fielding, India is not going to win the T20 World Cup. Yes, batting and bowling are important. But in modern cricket today, a player needs to have at least two skills. And India's problem with not having all-rounders may also allude to the fact that most of the batsmen don't field and the, and the bowlers don't field. The only real true all-rounder in the side got injured in the first T20, Ravindra Jadeja, who's good enough to get picked as a batsman, good enough to get picked as a bowler, and good enough to get picked in the back of his fielding as well. All players in this Indian team need to be able to get picked for their fielding as well as another skill. And it's strange to see because just three months ago in the IPL, players like Mayak Agarwal, Sanju Samson, Shreya Sayyad, KL Rahul, all of these players were pulling off amazing feats in the field in the IPL. And that leads me to my next point, which is IPL fatigue. And it was spoken about in the first two games where Indians weren't sort of able to switch out of the IPL mode. And which could have been the reason India lost the first two games in the ODI series in Sydney. And that is a very important point because keep in mind these quarantine bubbles are very tiring. So most of these players entered their IPL quarantine bubble somewhere halfway through August. Played the IPL all the way till about halfway through November. And then from the IPL, went, from the IPL quarantine bubble, went straight into the Indian quarantine bubble for the tour of Australia. So just, and then they quarantined for another two weeks there. So just imagine that before India have played the first game in Australia, they've already been in quarantine and been playing high intensity cricket for the last three and a half months, which now is not only physically taxing, it's also mentally taxing. So yes, the IPL is important, but the fact that the IPL is such a blockbuster and with the new COVID restrictions and the lockdowns and the quarantines and the COVID tests that players have to take place, it's very important that the IPL, with the quality of the cricket and the workload it demands from Indian players, does not affect India's performance. Because yes, the IPL is important, but the moment IPL cricket starts affecting Indian cricket in a negative way, that's when you know IPL cricket maybe has become too big. But that's being a bit too harsh in the IPL as well, because players this series who did well in the IPL were absolutely fantastic and no player was more impressive in this series than T. Natarajan. From an Indian bowling point of view, he was the find of the tour and was arguably the best bowler in the T20 series and showed his worth in one-day cricket as well.
But speaking of the Indian side, with no Rohit Sharma and no Jasprit Bumrah and Virat Kohli being absent for a majority of the Test series, there's a lot of opportunities that open up, which shows, which can potentially show the depth of the Indian batting. And players like Sanju Samson and Manish Pandey should have grabbed the opportunities. And that's where India's combination problem comes, and that was mainly highlighted in the last T20. And though that was a dead rubber, once again in a high run chase. Once the top order fell, it was once again a one-man army with Virat Kohli being that one man, and I have a small theory about that. If you look at India's top five batsmen in T20 cricket today, whether Sanju Samson is there in the top five or Manish Pandey is there in the top five, it doesn't make a difference. If you have KL Rahul, Shikhar Dhawan, or Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli, Shreya Sayer, and one of Manish Pandey or Sanju Samson, it doesn't matter because there's not enough variety over there. We saw in the last T20. Each and every one of these players, these seven, these six or seven players, take seven or eight balls to play themselves in. And as we saw with Shikhar Dhawan, as we saw with KL Rahul, as we saw with Sanju Samson, each of them took time to play themselves in and could not convert those starts into productive innings. Therefore, collectively, they must have used about twenty-five to thirty balls and only got about thirty-five runs. So that's already made a nine, a just above nine runs and over run chase. Eleven run and over chase as well, and Virat Kohli needs time to play himself in as well. So that just increases the run rate pressure on the lower order, where India lack batting depth because as of now the batsmen don't bowl and the bowlers don't bat, which is why Jadeja has found a place in the side, and to his credit, he has cemented his place. But could be part of the reason why Shardul Thakur is playing, why Washington Sundar is playing. Who, where if you have other players in the squad like a Mohammad Shami, are far superior bowlers than a Shardul Thakur. But the fact that he can back makes him a guarantee in the side at number eight. So come the T20 World Cup, though Deepak Chahar is a superior bowler, if Bhuvaneshwar Kumar is not fit, Bumrah might take Deepak Chahar's place instead of Shardul Thakur for the simple reason that Shardul Thakur adds batting depth to the side, which is why it's imperative that India find a way to play both Pandya and Jadeja as all-rounders, and not one as a pure batsman and one as an all-rounder. And the last point about India's combination in the context of the T20 World Cup next year. Is again, even if you get that combination right with a little bit of batting at eight, with either one of Bhuvaneshwar Kumar or Shardul Thakur over there, with Bumrah coming in and Rohit Sharma coming back, which is still a seriously good team, the top five batsmen still take time to get themselves in, and there's no variety over there in the style of play, though they are all very good players. Which is why I think, and I know it's a left field view, but if you look also at Indian cricket, the only batsman who does something different, even though he has been criticised, is Rishabh Pant. Which is why I think it's imperative for the T20 World Cup, in the context of that World Cup and T20 cricket in general, that India find a way to get Rishabh Pant back into the side. He doesn't have to keep wickets. KL Rahul can keep keeping wickets. He can keep being the vice captain. But finding a way to play Rishabh Pant just as a batsman for the simple reason that he's a left-hander, for the simple reason that he's unique in his style of play, adds more depth to the Indian side. And how long do you have to go in an episode of a podcast? It's been about seven minutes without talking about Virat Kohli's centuries out. Kohli has not got a century since November last year. It's the first time it's happened since 2009. But I've got a rather contrary view on Virat Kohli, his batting form in particular in this tour, because this was hyped up as Australia versus Kohli, Kohli taking on Australia, and. One thing I just like to point out is MS Dhoni has now retired. This was India's 
one of India's first few games after the retirement, after the official retirement of Dhoni, and without Rohit Sharma as in opening the batting and as vice captain, India now have a very inexperienced batting order in terms of how much international cricket they've played across all formats. KL Rahul is just finding his feet again after that incident on Coffee with Karan in 2019. He's just become the wicketkeeper. He's just become the vice captain. Shriya Sayyad is just coming in. Sanju Samson is just coming in. Manish Pandey has been around, but he's not that experienced. This was the first time Hardik Pandya was picked as a pure batsman. And after the Vinza Jadeja, as we've seen in this draw, the batting virtue falls off a cliff. Therefore, Virat Kohli as a batsman, because we saw glimpses in the ODI and the T20 series that he has found form. But maybe he's just a bit restricted because of the absence of someone like an MS Dhoni down the order or the absence of players in the past that he's had down the order. Because in the early stages of his career, he had Gambhir, Yuvraj, Dhoni, Raina right below him, which was very experienced in a very powerful lower middle order. And now he doesn't have that. That's inexperienced players who he has to groom as captain. So his role in the side is not as much as the best batsman in the world, but as a captain in the way he grooms the younger players, which could explain why he's been slightly conservative in his batting and why he hasn't got so many centuries. But anyways, that's a slightly longer episode to cover the limited overs of India versus Australia. The find of the tour, definitely Natarajan. Kohli's batting form, expect him to do well in the one test match. And when India come back home and Rohit Sharma comes back, it adds a little bit more solidity to that batting lineup. So expect the hundreds to start flowing from Virat Kohli as soon as possible.